I was trying to open up one of these like cannabis oil things, except I like over child safety it and then it blew up the cap. Oh yeah. Nice. Over child safety. What were you expecting Vias to come over? <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of Vias, um, it is funny to me that he is the last one on the call. Not that like I can give anyone too hard of a time because I sent it to you guys only like four minutes ago. Um, but Vias, I did explicitly uh, try to get him to test this with us uh, so that it would work for him. And a part of me, and I did try like multiple times. And so a part of me is like, you know, kind of, uh, it's petty, but I'm uh, sort of hoping he's having trouble right now because <laughs> that is what he just deserves. <laughs> the only way he's going to learn. It is such a thing where it, like, I feel like my whole identity, at least within hockey, like, thankfully I have other aspects of my identity that have nothing to do with hockey, but my um my identity within hockey i feel like now is almost like the the parent that is just constantly being like don't do that if you do that that's this is going to happen and then the thing happens and then i go i said this was going to happen <laughs> like both with vias and then just like you know earlier today with the oel stuff um it's like no if if you if you you know let your general manager trade Jared McCann for Eric Branson. He's going to eventually trade Brock Fester for Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, it only stands to reason. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that later, but I'm going to find out what is happening with Vias, or I'm going to try to find out. Vias just keeps uh, putting the the Zoom link that you gave him into like a Slack window or something. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's got Skype open and is just totally lost right now. Putting the Zoom link into Skype is. A pretty good bit. That would be good, yeah. He just ends up on some, like, I don't know, national security like panel or something by accident. Uh, hey, uh, do you guys mind if I eat some croutons? <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up baking bread last weekend, and I was like, oh, the only thing I can do with this now is make croutons with it. And I had this great idea to make croutons for this today's recording, but yeah, did not get around to it because I don't have any, like, drive to do anything anymore. <laughs> Oh, is Vias just waiting in the waiting room? Not that I oh, can see. Oh, that's great. Yes, it says Vias has entered the waiting room for this meeting. Uh, it's actually what happened to me last time I was using Zoom. was like I was trying to join this meeting because I was one minute late. It took like <laughs> 15 minutes before I was allowed into the room. I was like, come on, guys. How long should we let it go? How long should we just like keep him waiting? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, Jackson. If if you let him in now, he's never going to learn his lesson. I don't know what the lesson is. Yeah, but, I don't know what the lesson is either. But this he'll is, never learn There's it some sort of moral education it. here. This is a very me reference to make, but I, you guys have both seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? Or yeah. Okay, I feel right now like the scene where Donna Reed gets stuck in the bushes with no clothes on because her robe falls off. And then Jimmy Stewart's just like, oh, this is a very interesting situation. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let that's it a great. That's a great accent. Ah, thank you. Yes. It's, right. it's so cool. It's the best voice. Yeah. I did, uh, Vias, I did entertain uh, the possibility of just like keeping you in the waiting room for a while, but I only did it for a minute because um, I felt bad. But you'll find out what we said about you when this episode comes out. <laughs> Watch him have a uh, mic trouble now. Oh, he's yeah. muted. <laughs> I was gonna go. say he's yeah. muted. <laughs> there we go. Okay. 
Yeah, one of the tricks with your microphone, Vias, is to make sure that it's not muted. It's to shut the fuck up. That's what the trick is. <laughs> I love how Vias still somehow has the worst audio out of the four of us. I am using, like, Apple earpods now, too, so... Okay. I'm so glad that I'm no longer the token, like, Matt Christman yelling into a tin can. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's fun. Um, Matt's the best one. Okay, that's not true. That is true, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Matt's... Depends on what they're talking about. Um, my, uh... Is it that yeah, shitty actually, right now? Really fair. No, it's not that bad. It it's sounds really fine. It sounds tin can. Maybe I'll put like, in my like, wired headphones real quick, just so I make sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. Yeah. Hello. Hello. That I just like. Oh, yep. What? You're a bit f- louder now. But Hello. Whatever. Hello. Oh yeah, that's good. You sound a bit better. better. Sweet. Okay. Uh, bonjour, uh, uh, Joseph uh, Dillon. <laughs> I'm actually going on Quebec radio tomorrow. Are, are you, you really? Wait, yeah, I have a question. So, are you going to do it with... Uh, <coughs> okay, I wrote this name down. Tony Marinero? Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm... I was listening to some uh, some radio earlier today and somebody mentioned a Montreal radio host named Tony Marinero. And I'm just curious if like that was the guy who got mad at you. Because he might have been like waiting on you to do racism to both parts of his life. The French side of his uh, life. Quebec, Quebec and Italy. And yeah. the Italian part, so... That's funny. Um, that is, I'm sorry, but Tony Marinero. Yeah, no, I'm serious. He like, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's literally a name that we would make up. Yeah, that's, that sounds that's like amazing. a character from Oz, like <laughs> legitimately. That sounds like what a Tony Soprano, like parody character on Mad TV would be called. <laughs> <laughs> the Marineros. Uh, all right, folks. Welcome to another up. episode of Roxy Fever. Vias is already interrupting me, so you know that we are just back to normal now. I'm your host, Jackson McDonald. Joining me as always. What's up? It's Vias Ferran. And Elliot Hoyt. And joining us on the call as well, he is the host of TSN 1040's Rinkwide and the managing editor of Elite Prospects and EP Rinkside, the uh, bane of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. It was, was, is. Was that a Batman joke? Joseph Tillenberg. <laughs> JD, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm so tired. Like my my entire day has been spent like working and doing podcast recordings and live streaming and feeding. Uh, check out my check out my uh, my OnlyFans, and uh, <laughs> I've also just been like existing on a gushers diet. Like I had a I, I saw them on sale and I was just like, okay, sure, I'll get some gushers. <laughs> Little did I know that would be like my sustenance for my Friday of work. So, oh um, like, is it healthy? Uh, no, do I feel like death? Yes, but these are the sacrifices we make for content, boys. Yes. boy. Okay, I have Certainly. a question just to start off with. So mm-hmm. earlier on this year, when you were just tweeting some shit about the draft, I remember you questioning whether Alexei La- Alexis, whatever his name is, Lafreniere, would go first. Are you only trying to undermine him because of his background? Well, uh... yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> So, as part of the apology, which I definitely wrote myself, which I definitely wanted to write, which I definitely was happy to put out there after I got in trouble um, for a thing that I'm not allowed to discuss any further, part of the apology was that I was not allowed to discuss it any further. Great. Perfect. So, I'm not going to get into those details, but I just want to say that like, I've spent a lot of time talking to people around the league, and uh, I didn't really get a direct line to John Chaka, but... I'm starting to come around to his his 
views on phrenology and the sort of role that it can play in scouting. <laughs> and to me, it's kind of the final frontier. And really, I think that the teams that are out there being like, we need speed, we need skill, we need to market uh, Russian players as like an efficiency that we can exploit. Wrong calipers. That <laughs> is where the real fertile ground is is waiting to be, uh, to waiting waiting to be plowed. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, I plead the fifth. F I F. I. It's funny you say that because we like recorded an episode and then lost it for whatever reason. I think it was my my fault. Um, where we talked about the whole like John Chaka getting you know. Not fired. I don't know what happened there. Um, no one, I think, knows. But the just the whole John Jacob thing, and the specifically the thing that you're referencing, where he talked about basically like hooking up brainwave machines to players to like see how fast they think or something. Um, I mean, we're already like way off topic here, but man, that is one of my favorite things that I have like one of my favorite hockey stories ever. And I, it didn't get nearly enough attention. Yeah. I mean like the, the, the really cool part about that is they got like no real clear advantage by breaking all these rules, like having the players sit in a chair and have like some evil scientist take a, I don't know, like a compass to their head or whatever. Like, I don't really know how that improves the the scouting process and yeah, doing the like, conditioning uh thing from a clockwork orange where the <laughs> eyes are just like you know held open or whatever and they have to there's being held open have to watch erica branson shifts yeah exactly yeah chris pronger video yeah no i i mean like i'm not sure what clear advantage they got out of that but man the nhl made them suffer that decision like they lost a first round pick they lost a second round right, pick. that was like, insane they got absolutely like roasted by the nhl and i just think that's absolutely hilarious like what a theranos ass operation oh everything that happened with the trachas well not i shouldn't say the trachas like john everything that happened with john in uh in arizona is just so funny like the way that he was um you know seen as this sort of like analytics wunderkind we talked about uh, or I talked about this with Micah a little bit on the last episode, but it's just like, I don't know anything about Stathletes. So like, who knows? But that whole saga of Cheka in Arizona just seemed like he did an extremely good job of grifting hockey people into thinking that he was some sort of serious, uh, you know, numbers person of note. And that uh, does not appear to be the case especially when you uh just like give millions of dollars to players like zach ronaldo also yeah. i also have a lot more time for him because he picked the right fast food chain to own with the 12, <laughs> with the 12 <laughs> wendy's franchises so shout out to him yeah i i think vios has a point he has probably made more money off of me specifically ordering <laughs> Wendy's than he did as general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. Well, I mean, your checks have a higher likelihood of clearing. So, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. start there. Um, so, I guess the the obvious, like, place to start here is the, the Stanley Cup final, because we haven't, uh, even the three of us haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. I'm so mad because I had Tampa in six. Uh, oh man yeah I was, I was about to say what are your predictions but <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean obviously like i'm not gonna play the whole 
I mean, I did, I would, I did pick Tampa like privately, but I'm, I'm not going to do the whole like, oh, I was right thing. But, um, I, because it's, you know, that wouldn't be like, you. yeah, <laughs> no, no, you know, when you're as right as often as I am, you stick only to the things you Jesus. say publicly. Um, good to hear, uh, more to the point to things that most people weren't also saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I guess just round table here, like what were your guys thoughts on the quality of the hockey, not only in the final, but just in general, uh, with regards to, you know, like this was a really strange uh, situation that, you know, every team found themselves in. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts on just like the overall package and also the quality of the final. I was pretty happy with it overall. Like I was very pleasantly surprised. Maybe it's because there's nothing else to watch and there's no distractions. And I was just so grateful to have hockey back. But on the whole, I thought the tournament was pretty good to watch. Like it was fun. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been watching so much hockey. Like the, the year never really stopped for me. Like I just kept doing film work and I just kept watching these prospects for the draft and, and uh, our affiliated prospect rankings. So basically by the time the finals rolled around for the Stanley cup, I was just so hockeyed out like yeah, straight enough. up. I had so little attention span left for, uh, for the Stanley cup final. And, and you know what, like the Dallas stars, they're they're like a boa constrictor of a hockey club they they take the the life out of hockey games and <laughs> you know i i think there were a couple good ones based on what i did watch and, and you know that's that's to their credit i suppose that they were able to hang in there with the the bolts but uh, ultimately i don't know my attention span was not especially uh consistent for this year's final well i can uh I can relate to that. And I assume Vias can relate to that too. I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, what I did watch of the series, I like when I had it on, I spent most of the time looking up Bruce Land Fedotenko. Like, <laughs> yeah. Actually, we should, <laughs> guys, we got to talk about this. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to digress here for a minute. <laughs> um, I assume the thing that you are most interested in when it comes to Ruslan Vedatenko is the revelation that we only just learned of. Yeah. That so he married his billet mom from junior. Yes. Yeah. So I was watching, I think it was the last game. I think I got the timeline right here and uh, the bolts were up to nothing. And I remember that that was a score that Tampa won uh, the last, uh, like the, the 2004 cup. And I just remember like, oh yeah, that's the only other guy I know from the Bolts. And I wrote that tweet from the Rocks Fever account. And then uh, Renaud Prasad, one of our fans, one of our listeners, I don't know if he's a fan, but <clears throat> he he pointed out that story. And so yeah, Ruth Sanfadatenko, I forget what team he worked for, but uh, yeah. So the, the important thing I wanted to find out was whether or not uh, his future wife was married at the time that he was a billet. She was. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. And, and <laughs> this the is the is, best story ever. Other, so they had other kids, like the original couple, like two or three sons. And so now they're his stepkids, and he takes care of them. So he wow. shows up at the beginning, like, playing ball hockey or, like, stick hockey with them growing up. And then, yeah. Man, what, what do you think the age difference is there between him and the stepkids? Like, I think, like, eight years with one it's, of them. It's Holy big, shit. but it's not, like, it's, yeah, eight or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, like not a normal amount of years between father and son. Yeah, What's funny yeah not a normal amount of years between, like, siblings or parents, <laughs> but, like, 
much further from being parents than siblings. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. There were uh, some videos wow. uh, that people used to like piece this together where some other hockey players had gone on some podcasts to like they told this story, but they didn't want to say who it was. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know some guys, they played some pretty clutch games, scored some pretty important goals. <laughs> and they like the guy just told the whole story of it. And uh, holy shit. And then the end of the video was like, I forgot what player this was, but they were like, oh, like that's a bad move. Like when you're 30, she's going to be blah. And so it got pretty stupid there. But yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Classic. Yeah, that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> now, this the last thing to say on that is that somebody, I forgot who, in our, in the tweet about this, uh, mentioned that Matt Cook might have had a similar situation. Hell yeah. That rocks. I, mm. I don't have confirmation on that, but. That's my that's my uh, cuck report. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are so many. I will just say there are so many headshot jokes uh, going through my brain right now. Um, keep there. Keep it there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's, that's, the, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, the uh, the one thing I wanted to get out just about the like the final was uh, for me anyways. Like it was very vindicating after all the things that happened this year. All the discussion of uh, you know, analytics being dead or whatever, that the team that ends up winning is the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was like very perfect. Um, and I do think that it's also genuinely very impressive to win a cup under these circumstances. Like I, I'm of the opinion that it's, it's actually like, it was actually probably more difficult to win a cup this year than it normally is. Um, so I don't buy the, the asterisk stuff, but one thing that I just wanted to get out there that I think has been sort of under, uh, reported or hasn't been remarked upon very much is that like I've seen a lot of people say things like wow you know you really got to hand it to the NHL or you really got to hand it to Gary Bettman puke um, for you know the fact that the tournament went off like relatively well um, we should be handing it to the players because they're the ones who held up their end of the bargain here like they played really good hockey under yeah. really you know, strenuous circumstances and the NHL did not hold up their end of the bargain to the point where now like the like next season is in question. You know, I, I read that article, I, Wyshynski and someone else, I think did it. I can't remember uh, about like what Emily Kaplan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to leave a pause there for somebody to make a misogyny joke and nobody did it. So. <laughs> Um, I, uh, my mind was, I, I, my mind was, uh, was buzzing, but <laughs> yeah, okay, fair I was working on one, but the timing did not happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, life in the bubble was really shitty for these players and they didn't get like anything that they were promised. So kudos to, to all of them, but especially to the Tampa Bay lightning who not only like, you know, showed up and played good hockey, but won a cup and very deservingly so, I think. And and kept the lockdown right up until the end and then <laughs> and just that, period. <laughs> it ended yeah. there. Uh I was gonna I I do want to touch a little bit on that, I guess, and I'll I'll flip it over to you, JD. Like what do you make of all this stuff that's happening right now where you know the Tampa Bay Lightning are all just drinking out of the cup handing the cup to like random residents of South Florida to drink out of <laughs> um I I imagine you know we discussed it like a little bit yesterday just over text or whatever I think we're of two minds on this but uh so I'll, JD I'll... thinks Alex Kalorn <laughs> did nothing wrong <laughs> Please yeah explain. so 
for one, Alex Kalorn did nothing wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, for, I think we need to start there. And uh, everything he did was perfectly legal. Uh, no, I mean, like, so I'm of two minds. Uh, on the one hand... Two wolves I'm, inside. Two <laughs> yes. wolves are inside, JD. They both have COVID because they live in South Florida. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, no, but I mean, like, it's it's really kind of on the one hand jarring to see those videos and obviously like your gut reaction if you come from like something vaguely resembling a, a civilized society which florida of course is not that uh <laughs> then your your gut instinct is ooh, not good uh but then like on the other hand i'm just i i think the conversation we had was more about like people moralizing at their expense and it's like what what exactly would you be staying inside for if you live in Florida? Like there's no form of government relief forthcoming. There is no plan whatsoever to kind of mm. help abate the spread of this disease. Like, you know, beyond anything more structural being in place at that point, if you're staying inside while well, 75% of the state is operating normally, then I mean, just, I don't know to, to what exact end are you doing that? And I just think that it's like kind of, bizarre the extent to which we've just accepted that we we're able to do certain social functions but only if they serve our fiduciary uh, <laughs> responsibilities it's like you can go to work but you can't yeah. see a show mm -hmm. now if you yeah. die going to work that is good and normal and okay and we've accepted this and uh you know certain people I mean, if, if you are a barista, then all of a sudden uh, that is a essential service. It's like, wait a second. No, it's not. Like, <laughs> why, why are we sending people to make me like caramel macchiatos and die in the process? This seems not good. So, I mean, like if you're at that point in Florida, I don't really think yeah. it's all that productive to make fun of the people who are just trying to like live their lives. I mean, ultimately, like there's nothing more corrosive to our sense of like security and our sense of community than, than the quarantine we've all been living under. So, I mean, like I get the, the gut reaction. I'm just like, well, uh, where is this when people have to funnel into malls for their jobs, right? Yeah, like, well, why are, that's why are yeah. we only giving people shit when that they're is, enjoying themselves? Yeah, like exactly. li living yeah. in Florida more so than usual is a state of psychological torture. And <laughs> yeah, knowing knowing that nothing is working and you're you're put out to die basically. If if the Canucks were winning the Stanley Cup, I'd be out in the streets too. But well, I'll, that's like, kind of the thing that I was the getting. Same thing at, about yeah. uh, Scott Road. <laughs> yeah, which I was definitely not out at one night. <laughs> I'm not here to like. I'm not here to like defend. Um, I, I don't know. I guess what I, what I'm saying is, you can look at uh, the what's happening in in Florida with the Tampa Bay players, and it, like, let's not forget too that the Tampa Bay players like 100% have the ability to recreate these circumstances um, in like a nice bubble. Uh, and they're just not doing it like that. That you know, uh, Alex Kalorn is not a barista. Like he's a hockey player who's played millions of dollars. But at the same time, you know, this is the the purview of things that we're able to talk about as a hockey podcast. And I do think that you, you know, if you're going to have this attitude about hockey players, fine, but don't have it about about regular people. And mm -hmm. I do think, like after all of this, with the you know the the NHL not holding up their end of the bargain the bubble life being pretty brutal at times certainly like it is really frustrating that there's this sort of sense that like the players all just went through that and all like i'm sorry but like really did risk getting covid in the process like it we're lucky that it didn't 
obviously like they did a, a reasonable job of keeping that bubble intact, but like there, there was a ton of risk in the process sure. of like agreeing to return to play. And um, it's just weird that it's like, yeah, these guys can all work. And if they get COVID in the process of playing hockey, that's fine. But if they get COVID in the process of celebrating the work mm. that they did, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And there, there is just a thing here where it's just, it, it, it doesn't sit right with me where it's, it is just that it's something we talk about on the show all the time where it's the, you know, getting mad at the individual instead of the situation mm-hmm. or the structure. And I do think that like, if you are mad at, the um the tampa bay players for doing this and you have every right to be like i think it's stupid obviously i think it's stupid i mean Um, i also went to harvard so it's even stupider (laughs) yeah it's it's even more justifiable to be mad at him because especially because everyone who ever went to harvard is smart so um and and always good people too that's that's the really important thing like (laughs) if you go to harvard you have to have a really rigorous moral fabric exactly yeah and so the point i guess that i'm making here is that like if you think this fine i also really hope you're one of the people who thought that they should have never started the season back up in the first place Mm -hmm. uh and if you thought that then you're you know, ideas about this have been totally consistent and I have no issue with them. And I'm going to say that most of the people that I've seen really tearing into the lightning are people who said that the season shouldn't come back. Yeah, totally. And that's entirely fair. But there are definitely some people who have that attitude of like, it was perfectly fine for them to go back to work, but this isn't okay. And I think that's silly. Like, I think that uh, you have to take a, you have to zoom out a little bit and take Mm -hmm. like a more reasonable view. And also just, I sympathize because I'm going insane being just like cooped up in my place and only going to work. It's driving me nuts, but Mm -hmm. yeah. On the Alex, on the Alex Cologne thing, this is two things. I know you guys don't watch basketball. There's another Florida player who is a barista. That's Jimmy Butler. I don't know if anybody remembers that story. Uh, (laughs) This basketball player just like set up a cafe in the in the quarantine, like in the bubble. And he's charging 20 bucks for all the drinks. Great. Anyways, what I'm trying to lead to is um, talking about the bargain that the NHL holds up um, and also the players. My question is, so did the NHL not have any involvement in what a celebration would look like? Like they, well, that's they, a re- another really good question. They, yeah. they knew that there was going to be, a, I mean, like their hope was that there was going to be a Stanley Cup winner. And they knew that the expectation was that there's a parade. They have to account for what that's going to look like or what any kind of celebration is going to look like. Did they just hand over the reins to any celebration to the team? To me, that seems really fucking irresponsible that they would just leave that all in the hands of them. And it's been absent from the criticism too, that like no one is saying like, why didn't the league think of this? You know, and that is genuinely like, (laughs) that's been my my attitude throughout this entire pandemic is always like, did anybody plan for this? Like, did anybody with their hands near the levers of power go like, and this is what we're going to do about this. And the answer consistently is always, no, we're all just making it up as we go along. So I, I don't like have a lot of time for getting mad at individual people who are just like trying to enjoy their lives. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. I do have time for people who are just like loudly refuse to wear a mask and like think it's fake and like all that. But but the the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, I I, I feel pretty strongly that any NHL team in that position would be doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I oh, don't yeah. think I anyone like was saying this is a specific moral failing of the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Notwithstanding all the Florida jokes we were making 10 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, here's something that I have to say. Like, who really thought that the Tampa Bay Lightning had a chance at winning the Stanley Cup? So, like, uh, <laughs> totally came out of nowhere. Cinderella story. It's it's really easy to see how they didn't have contingencies in place. Can't believe yeah, it came, exactly. yeah, it came from Florida. Who would guess? <laughs> so, okay, I, I, I we've gotten through, like, almost a half hour of recording here without talking about the home team. And I think it is really important to, you know, we're, we're sort of, I would say we're kind of wrapping up season two of Roxy fever and um, it's, we don't have the time to dissect uh, everything that's going on right now, but one thing that is uh, in the news right now and is a potential jumping off point for talking about other uh, things that are going on with the Canucks is uh, the chatter about Oliver Ekman Larson. And I don't want to immediately date this episode in case like they trade for him right now or it gets axed right now. But I would be curious, JD, as the person who is like the most stat savvy out of all of us on the show, what is your uh, take on Oliver Ekman Larson and whether or not the Canucks should be interested? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the adjusted metrics don't really paint him in an especially flattering light. I mean, the the kind of uh, one size fits all metrics, the adjusted shot metrics, no matter how you look at it, it's it's not been a pretty uh, picture these last few years for uh, for for Oliver Ekman Larson. I mean, he had that one fantastic year in 2016 where he was like Norris trophy worthy almost, but uh, he's had a really hard time getting back to that level since. And you're talking about somebody with like, I think another, what, five or, or six seven. years left, seven years left. Seven on years on his Sure. Deal, why not? And this um, is counting this upcoming season as one of those seven, but yeah. Yeah. And, and like banking on somebody at his age to kind of correct course seems like a, a really, uh, I don't know, it seems like a risk that isn't worth taking, especially when the payoff is so low relative to the cap charge. Like, if if Oliver Ekman Larson rebounds, what are you talking about? Like, you've got a competent second pair defenseman who's making eight and a quarter million against the salary cap for uh, the remainder of, of humanity at this rate. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just have a really hard time figuring out how this makes sense. Now, that said... I think the one way that the Canucks can kind of shape the situation in such a way that kind of benefits their short and long-term health uh, is, is if they were to unload a bunch of really bad short-term uh, mm. cap charges in the process. Like if they were to look at Arizona and go, we'll give you Sutter, we'll give you Erickson. And by we'll give you, I mean, please take, yeah. uh, you know, then I think that really kind of changes the the complexion of this, this entire trade because I mean, for me, I, I look at this team and I go that the Canucks have to be competitive for the Stanley Cup next year. Like, it's the final year of Quinn Hughes and, and Elias Pettersson being on their entry-level deal. They've got just a really bad long-term outlook in terms of their salary cap. They don't have many prospects on the way. Uh, things are looking pretty pretty grim relative to how poor this team has performed the last few years. Of course, our, our, the last playoff run notwithstanding. So I, I really do think like if there's a way the Canucks can pull this off that actually clears short-term cap space, then all the power to them. I just have a really hard time seeing how they pull that off. And and like let's say they they acquire Oliver Ekman Larson and they and they get him to rebound to being a second pairing defenseman and a competent one at that. And I I I do want to say too, just to just to interject here, some people may be listening right now and thinking second pair defenseman, blah blah blah. Like Quinn Hughes is left-handed. Oliver Ekman Larson is left-handed yep. on the Canucks. Mm -hmm. 
Oliver Ekman Larson would be a second pairing defender. Like oh, yeah. if you assume Quinn Hughes is the number one defenseman, which you should in the league. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think too, that like, this is an element that maybe some observers who don't, who aren't like super dialed in might miss. Like this is not a guy the Canucks are picking up um, to play, to be like Quinn Hughes's pairing partner. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that they're picking up to be their second left-handed defenseman for the foreseeable future, uh, basically to replace Edler. Okay, and, so, and yes. that's like a very important distinction because I think like a player with Ekman Larson's profile, you would um, be more amenable to the possibility that he would bounce back if he was being earmarked to play with Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. But Oliver Ekman Larson is not. He's oh, going to be there. He's being earmarked to play with Myers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, $16 exactly. million dollars in that. Well, I, I know at least one writer in Vancouver who thinks that's going to do wonders for his game, but uh, I'm I'm not that writer. So I mean, like that's the thing. Even next year, right? Like, let's say that they can't offload Alexander Edler, and holy crap! Like, getting rid of that six million dollar cap charge is—it's so funny. There's so many bad contracts on the book that Alexander Edler, who is just like he looked so slow, he looked so yeah. washed during that playoff run. Like, we don't even register. That that Edler, which is probably like a, a five or six defenseman on like a good team now, yeah. is making six million dollars. Mm-hmm. But like, how how do you make that work if you're the Canucks? You have a left side where your your entire like your your back four defensemen are accounting for like fourteen million dollars, and they're not even that good. Like, how how exactly do you square that circle? I mean, uh, you know, long term, it would be nice to have Ekman Larson if he was on a more reasonable contract. Uh, kind of in in place to step in for Alexander Edler when he moves on, which he probably will at the end of this, this deal. But I mean, it's just really hard to make sense of this. It really, really is. And, and I think that ultimately like I'm going to withhold judgment until I see what, what goes on in terms of the return and the salary cap ramifications. But man, this is like, talk about threading a needle. It is very difficult to, to come up with a trade that makes sense for either team. Yeah. I think that's entirely fair. And I think that, um, you know, it's really the, the the most pressing question that you should have when you hear this kind of news is like, the Canucks have so much bad money. Why are they looking to add more bad money? Like it, it, it and I understand it, it is like you said, JD, like it makes sense, but it really only makes sense if an equal amount of bad money is going back the other way yeah. or a near equal amount. It would have to be a greater amount, at least in the short term, to make sense for this because of how long Ekman Larson is going to have to stick around. Like they would have to clear basically all of their bad contracts in this deal mm-hmm. for it to make any sense. And I just don't know how you can do that with a team like Arizona. How crazy do you think the Canucks offseason is going to be? Because I, I, I did a little like uh, Twitter, you know, tweet storm thread thing earlier today where I sort of talked about how like. You know, trading for OEL is very much in this team's wheelhouse if you look at what they've done in the past. And trading, not like, not looking at their their bad salary and being like, oh, how do we offload, uh, you know, Brandon Sutter or whatever, but being like, yeah, let's trade Brock Besser for OEL. You know, that'll help our salary problems, that sort of thing. You know, if you look at what they've done in the past, uh, the last time the Canucks were competitive, they made the slew of terrible moves that have been a uh, like recurring theme on the show 
Uh, I'm not going to go into all of it, but just go back and listen to the Jim Betting extension episode if you want a primer on that. Like the last time the Canucks were competitive, they made a ton of moves, a ton of plays, and they all worked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was out. great. And you know that's why the team's so good now. Uh, but I'd be I'd be curious to think like what you're uh, certainly more connected than any of the three of us are. What do you? How much movement should we expect? Well, I, oh man, I, I really don't know how to answer that. Like, I think sometimes we take for granted that it's, you know, oh, they're just going to move some money and, and everything's going to work itself out and there won't be any problems. And it's, it's not an issue that the Canucks don't have the type of ammunition it takes to move these players. They're just going to find a way to make it happen. And it's like, has anybody been paying attention these last few years? Like, if the Canucks are going to move Louis Erickson, it's going to take a, a high-end pick or a prospect. Like the precedent has been set. Uh, Patrick Marlowe took took a, a first round pick for six million, and that was one year left. Louis Erickson has two, uh, you and know, he's and, worse than Patrick Marlowe. And he's worse like, than yeah. Patrick Marlowe, at least in yeah. terms of at least in terms of like offensive production. Yeah, for sure. And then it's like Brandon Sutter, four point four million dollars for a fourth line center and a penalty killer. Like, oh yeah, teams are just lining up for that in a flat cap environment. Like, well, not I, I to mention, how could that go wrong? If you um, if you're if you've been going out to eat or you've been you know ordering takeout or et cetera et cetera, one thing you may have noticed is that a lot of places right now have uh, an auto gratuity uh, for like you know you pay a little bit extra because of the sort of like crazy circumstances that everyone is in and the you know the dire potentially dire economic straits that a lot of businesses are in right now. All that stuff applies to the NHL too. And I would not, you know, like if anything, those prices are going to be even mm-hmm. higher because of the COVID like auto gratuity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. Like totally. If, if, if Patrick Marlowe cost a first round pick when business was booming, what is a bad contract going to cost now? And, and, and then you hear, um, you know, rumblings about the, uh, about Francesco Aquilini being con- concerned about things like real money you know like the kind of things that we previously talked about with uh with regards to getting rid of louis erickson like oh it's good to get rid of louis erickson because we you know we're going to be able to do it because he he's owed very little in real money now the canucks are worried about real money this looked like an impossible job uh heading into this off season like a year ago when everything was normal now with money being even tighter like it just it seems impossible i don't know how the fuck they're even going to do it well yeah that's that's the thing how are they going to do this? like there's one team that can take on salary and that's that's ottawa and their owner likes to pay people in canadian tire coupons like <laughs> it's it's really hard to figure this one out i was going to say also like the funniest thing about this is like the louis erickson deal everyone's been joking about saying to the ahl and it's starting to finally make sense but the AHL is not even going to be a season and he's going to make more money playing for the AHL in Vancouver than he would <laughs> yeah. if you're just in the <laughs> NHL too. Okay. I have a Vios question. Now I know this can piss people off, but we have some Vios listeners. So I, you know, I want to represent. <laughs> no, it's great. It's good. I don't know what flat cap means. I understand that a lot of teams have been imposing sort of an internal cap uh, below the league cap, but I don't know what flat cap means. Does that mean that like all owners have effectively agreed to another cap underneath or? So Bias, do you know what the word flat means? (laughs) 
I wish you were in the same room as me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just means that the salary cap is going to remain static. Like it's not going to, oh, like it's going to be stuck at yeah. 81 and a half million for the foreseeable future. The cap is a flat circle. Because like the last couple of years, it's gone up by what, like two or three million a year or yeah, something. Depending so on TV, yeah, something like a bad that. contract, you'd be like, well, we'll have six million dollars in. Three the closest years anyway, we've come so, to this, right. like it's the most bad, analogous but... uh, situation we've had in the salary cap era was 2012-13, uh, when the or was it 20? Yeah, 2012-13, where uh, there was the lockout and the cap had to go down because of lost revenues over the first half of the season. And a lot of teams like had to shed salary and all that. But this is very different because at least in 2012, 13, there was the understanding that like, it's fine. The cap's going to go up next year. Uh, we don't have that. Like we do not know when the cap is going to go up or if it's going to go up. The cap may even go down. Yeah. Gary Bettman was talking about that today. Like they can't do it immediately, but they, they are considering, uh, you know, like four years down the road, lowering the cap. It's just that if they were to lower the cap now based on teams who made their their roster decisions with projections of like 85 yeah, million be being available to them, then the league would just be screwed. Like it would be impossible to make it work. Okay, I actually have a question going back to the Tampa Bay thing. Uh, Steve Eiserman isn't the GM anymore, but like, do you think his reputation going forward is going to be known as like he built this team that won a cup? Yeah. Like I he think will, that- will he get credit for this cup effectively? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be kind of similar to Dale Talon, except uh, Steve Eiserman isn't senile and potentially racist. Like, uh, allegedly, allegedly. Um, you know, I, you remember when Dale Talon left Chicago and then they won the cup one year right. later, right? And everybody yeah. was talking about how he built this team. And I think that they, they even got him a Stanley Cup ring, if memory serves. So I oh, wouldn't be surprised if this follows like a similar template and, and he's probably set for life as a result. Yeah. But, it's the same I mean, way. Th- it's the same way that we all agree that Dave Nonis <laughs> exactly. built the 2011 Canucks. Um, I'm actually glad you, you brought up the Tampa Bay lightning again, because I do have to ask one more question uh, about the Tampa Bay lightning, which is the Tampa Bay lightning trade JT Miller to the Vancouver Canucks. And and win a Stanley Jesus Cup. Like, I'm gonna go take a the break. The year now. after doing this, like almost immediately, is JT Miller a locker room cancer? Is he bad in the room? I have a big, <laughs> I have a big box of nuts right next to me. I'm gonna start eating them. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> I, I love how Vias still hasn't really figured out that he can mute his mic. Like I know, I know he's making I, a threat right now, but I like to imagine that in his mind, he's like. I'm going to eat these nuts and there's nothing. In in fairness, Elliot hasn't figured out how to mute his mic either when he's typing. So (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah. Fair. No, I mean like, uh, I, I, I think yes, obviously he is a locker room cancer. Uh, I feel like that news anchor, I've been watching like a lot of Simpsons lately. Yes, me too. Uh, You know, this is how I'm, this is how I'm coping with my like catatonic depression. And uh, I, I remember this one episode where like Kent Brockman <laughs> says to the, the guest, he goes, is it time to panic? And the guest is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, Kent, I do believe it is time to panic. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how I'm approaching the JT Miller question. Yes, absolutely. He's a locker room cancer. Okay, well, there you go. See, so I was right again. Um, I guess the, the biggest reason we had you on and like the, it's your wheelhouse undeniably is the draft which has really been pushed into the background because of all the craziness. Obviously the Canucks don't have picks in the first two rounds, but like why should Canucks fans care about the draft? 
well, I mean, if it wasn't for the draft, uh, I mean, they wouldn't have Elias Pedersen, they wouldn't have Quinn Hughes, and and I think that's kind of the case in point. They wouldn't have Ole Ulevi. <laughs> JD course, wouldn't have, have a job. <laughs> I wouldn't have a job. Uh, you know, I think Vios visibility is really important on the Ole Ulevi file. Yes. Uh, so thank you for for kind of uh, checking my privilege there. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's really that simple, and also like. That because of the Canucks' perilous salary cap position, like the their ability to to find capable players to fill in the margins of their roster is going to be significantly hampered in any other uh, roster construction mechanism, right? Like they're not going to be able to do as much in free agency. They're not going to be able to do as much in trades. Like they need to hit on some of these picks. They need to hit with some of these players and that's pretty much the hope, right? Like if Jack Rathbone is a top four defenseman, if only you will levy, uh, I know Vias thinks he's already a second pair defenseman, <laughs> but what if he's in the Norris voting next year, right? Like this is how, this is how they're going to build a supporting cast around Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. There's no other way to do it. So <clears throat> ultimately I think that is the, the best way to build up a case for why Canucks fans should be interested in, uh, in the draft. And the other one is, uh, cash rules everything around me. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. I need you guys to check out my content. I've got a family to feed. I just want to correct. I just I just oh. need to correct something that JD said. JT Miller is not a locker room cancer. JT Miller is a locker room Pisces. <laughs> fuck, someone told him about astrology. Wow. Fuck. Okay. Fair. I am owned. Um. You know. Once what? again, I'm always saying that. Wrong about JT Miller again, folks. That's. My cross to bear. Also, yeah, OEL and Oli Ulevi both sound the same. It's very <laughs> complicated. That is like the most Vios ass like comment ever. Uh, I actually really appreciate it. Wait, can I just say a couple more things about OEL? Actually, sure. yeah, I have heard that. Uh, like, I mean, her my source is equal. Just reading Rick Dollywall's tweets. And yes, <laughs> JD, uh, me and Rick are not related. Uh, I know you keep, ask, you keep asking me. <laughs> Um, but I heard that, uh, him and <laughs> that was so worth it. I heard that him and, um, uh, I heard Markstrom and OEL are big time buddies. Uh, that... I was really worried about where you were going. I was wondering what you were doing there when you emphasized big. <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah. I actually didn't yeah, know. We're doing Audrey there. visibility on this <laughs> podcast right now. Stop bringing her up on every single show you go on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of sus. It's kind of weird. Um, wait, I, I actually had one more question that uh, follows the trade talk stuff and or just management uh, stuff. Uh, Vertanen, what's the word on him? I, I'm hearing he's being shopped. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for his long-term prospects of, of being a Vancouver Canuck. I mean, like, if you're looking at this roster and you're going, like, how can we shave some money and, and do so without really hampering the team's ability to compete in the short term? I think that the obvious solution, at least for me anyway, is uh, to cut bait from Jake Vertanen. I mean, he's, he's arbitration eligible. He's up for a new contract. And, and frankly, like, I just don't think he's an especially good hockey player. Like... Uh, you know, everybody's going to point to the 18 goals. They're going to look at the fact that that shotgun Jake is a lot of fun and I'm right there with them. Uh, but, but this isn't the type of player that I think Travis green thinks he can win with. And I think the, the, the real proof of that is how little uh, Travis green used Jake for Tannen in these playoffs. So, you know, if, if Travis green is saying to management, like I, I view him as a bottom six player at the absolute most, and I don't really trust him in high leverage situations, then 
how precisely does one justify spending $3 million on this type of player uh, with precious little uh, cap space to spend, right? So what I'm hearing, so we need to get rid of Travis Green. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Uh, Travis Green needs to be taken out. He is a threat to the shotgun Jake movement. Absolutely. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board. Vias. You speak the truth as always. Um, do you think there's any chance that the Canucks could use Jake to get back into the first round or second round of this, uh, of this draft second round, perhaps I think first round might be a bit rich because I mean, the, <laughs> they're not going to get any higher than like 30th and teams that are picking that late in the are first too round smart are, probably, to want. are too smart yeah. to want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, I don't really like their chances of, of doing a lot with Jake Bertan. And if I were the Canucks, what I would do is maybe try to use Jake Bertan to move up. Like I was on uh, TSN 1040 with the bravest reporter in the market, uh, Matt Sakaris. <laughs> and we were talking about how the Canucks could move up in the draft. And I was like, <clears throat> Use Barkley Goodrow, uh, who the Tampa Bay Lightning acquired as a template, right? So, like, they they didn't really give up a first round pick to the San Jose Sharks for for Barkley Goodrow. What they did was uh, they moved down to the third round. Uh, that was what really happened there. So, if you're the Canucks, what you could do is package your third with Jake Bertanen to get back into the first. I think then you're cooking with fire. But <clears throat> beyond that, probably a bit rich for the league's blood. I su- I, I suspect. That's a that's actually a good um, a good idea for them. It would be to like try to use Jake and a pick or another asset to to move up or to even. Do you think there's any chance they could get into the first round this year? No, because I think their priorities lie elsewhere. Yeah, like, fair I think enough. Ultimately, like if you're the Canucks and you've got Jake Vertanen on the block. I'm using him to get rid of like Louis Erickson. I'm sure, using him yeah. to get rid of Brandon Sutter. And I think that that's more important to their short-term goals. And that's why I think that's the type of move that I anticipate with Jake Bertan. So um, with regards to the fact that they will probably not be picking in the first two rounds, um, unless something changes anyways, there's that sort of necessitates um, swinging for the fences with that third round pick. Um, obviously your options are limited at that point, but is there a player that like, if he's there, you know, like, okay. So we, we used to do some work together at Canucks army with regards to the draft, you know, doing like prospect profiles and all that. And I don't know if you were actually with, I certainly wasn't, but I don't know if you were with Canucks army yet in 2014, but obviously in 2014, Braden point was that guy where it was like, if that guy's on the board when you're picking in the third round, you'd have to be insane not to take him. Um, is there a guy like that this year? Um, I, I really don't think so, because I think the league is getting better at scouting like every single year. And I think that every team that passed up on Braden Point is feeling some kind of embarrassed by it, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I have a really hard time imagining how that happens again. <laughs> it's just, uh, you would like to think that they're, they're going to learn from that mistake. I, I think that like maybe the type of player that could be available to the Canucks that would kind of mirror his image would be maybe Jeremy Poirier. Mm. Uh, he, he put on a phenomenal showing at the Helenka Gretzky, but you know, a little bit like Hendrix Lapierre, another highly regarded prospect of the QMJHL, my favorite region. Um, <laughs> he, he really kind of struggled to put it together once he came back to Canada for the CHL season. And, 
you know, Jeremy Poirier is like a top five playmaker in this entire draft, like regardless of position. And, and if you can get that sort of player outside of the first round, then I think you always have to jump at that opportunity. <clears throat> now, the real problem, of course, and the reason that he might be available is that Jeremy Poirier is not an especially good defender. Jeremy Poirier isn't uh, isn't especially mobile either. I mean, he's a really interesting player. He's still solid in transition, but his skating stride is is nowhere near where it needs to be for the NHL level, right? So... <clears throat> Sorry, this is like my third recording today, and my voice is like I can, <laughs> okay. I can feel it starting to wane. Uh, I I think that he is the type of player that like if he falls to the third round, you got to jump all over that. I I think other than that though, you just have to make a sound bet. I mean, at that point in the draft, the odds are so far stacked against you. Like maybe Damon Hunt's going to be available to the Canucks, and that's a player who missed a lot of time to injury. He didn't get a chance to to prove his worth because he was on a really bad team in Moose Jaw. Like, if he's available, wouldn't that be interesting? What about another player like Ethan Edwards, who might be underrated because so many people uh, basically just don't scout the AJHL as well as they should, right? Like, I, I think a lot of people have this idea that because Ethan Edwards didn't put up a ton of points in the AJHL that he's not capable offensively, but that's really not the case. He totally surpassed Michael Benning at the uh, the World Junior A Challenge, and in my viewings, he's got really good off-the-puck instincts, and and he can really contribute to a team on on the power play as well. It's, it's one of those things where... I, I think there is going to be a defenseman available to them that is going to help out their their long term goals, and you know as long as they make a, a reasonable pick, then then I think that they can get a, a pretty good defensive prospect to add to their pool. Yeah, you you ignore Junior A at this point at your own risk too, because like I mean, obviously there are like obviously you talk about the AJHL, like there's Kel McCarr, that's the obvious person to talk about, but Ian Mitchell. Colton Pareko. Exactly. There's other examples too. And if you want, if you go back, uh, if you want to go back a little bit too, like Jamie Ben played junior A. Um, but lots of good players play junior A. So I actually think like that that is something that I would advocate for is um, trying to find like someone who maybe didn't get enough eyes on him and is ranked much lower than he should be. Um, I mean, obviously, like the Canucks, this isn't going to be a huge draft for them because of where they're at in their, um, you know, developmental cycle, which is probably not advisable, but it's where they're at. So there's, they're not going to change course now. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the first round of the draft, because even though the Canucks aren't picking in the first round, there's still plenty of there's always intrigue around the first round of the draft because you're looking at like the people who are going to be the future stars populating the sport. Generally, I find that drafts are usually like getting really, really uh, caught up in the minutia of like who's who is at seven rather than eight is very stupid and it's very much a waste of time. It's more like about tiers. So, I mean, obviously, I think at this point, Alexi or Alexi Lafreniere is the obvious pick at number one, and there's no real controversy there, even even of the trumped up variety mm. that we see. Well, okay, I, I don't know. I All mean, right. I, I have some opinions on that. All one. right, I would, I would, I would love to hear them. Then, what what's your like first tier of talent in this draft? So I, I think that there's a group of three prospects. I thought you were just going to let me make like another joke about, you know, that thing we were talking about at the beginning. That's sort of what I was going for there. But I also <laughs> okay. can, I can also speak to this semi-intelligently. Okay. Uh, and even that's probably generous. Who am I kidding? But 
Um, I think that the first tier is made up of three very different players. You've got Alexi Lafreniere, who is so physically developed. He, he's so far along in terms of, of being ready to play NHL minutes. He's such an advanced distributor of the puck. I think he can be like a 50-point player right off the hop. Wow. Uh, then at number two, you've got Quinton Byfield, who I think is is just such a fascinating prospect. Like his his <clears throat> his his package of skills, like it's it's basically Taylor Hall at center. And who wouldn't want that type of player? I think he needs one more year away from the NHL before he can kind of step in and play uh, quality minutes. But I, I really do think that if you're looking for a high upside play, uh, this might be about as good as it gets. I really think that he, he he could be the best player to come out of this class. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got somebody in Lucas Raymond who has already been playing professional hockey. He's been playing for uh, for Olunda's system in the SHL, and and he is the most complete player on the wing in this year's draft. Like like hands down, I don't think he's better than than Lafreniere, but I think he has a more complete game. And depending on your mileage, you might throw Tim Stutzla into that group. I'm not so sure about that myself, but. Uh, I am the exception, not not the norm on that one. So, uh, you know, take that into account. Uh, I, I really do think that the, that first tier is three players long, and then afterwards things start to open up a bit. But, I, I mean, it depends on who you talk to. I think there are some people out there who would say, uh, never mind Lafreniere and, and Byfield and Raymond. It's more like Lafreniere and Stutzel, or it's only Lafreniere and and Byfield. But yeah. I think it's a bit more wide open. I'm than glad that. you brought that up because I've noticed on a lot of the lists, Stutzel has supplanted uh, Byfield in that number two spot. I, I, I am curious like what you make of the sort of, somewhat like tepid response that Byfield has gotten over the latter half of the year here among scouts. Like I remember heading into this year, um, he, it was almost considered like a McDavid Eichel or Matthews line, a thing where I remember people saying like, don't sleep on Byfield. He could be um, potentially even better than Lafreniere or could even potentially go first overall because he's a centerman. And now that, that talk seems like, way distant in the past. So I would be curious to get your take on why that might be. Yeah, it's it's a good question. And and actually, uh, Chris Wilkins wrote a really interesting article on this topic that I, I, I have been so struggling to find time to, to read, but <laughs> I kind of get the, the gist of it, right? Sure. And it was basically that uh, black players are drafted lower than they should be. Yeah. And I do wonder to what extent we're seeing some uh, some real psychology take <laughs> place here as it relates to his stock. I do wonder... Uh, I mean, you look at that ISS report that came out where it's like they put out glowing reviews of every prospect in the first round and then they get to Quinton Byfield and it's like, actually, I wouldn't use a fourth round pick on this kid. Now I'm exaggerating, but it was a really negative report and it elicited a pretty strong reaction and rightly so because it was just so bizarre and it stuck out like a a sore thumb relative to pretty much everyone else's. But uh, stepping aside from the (laughs) psychology reasons, I think... (laughs) I think mostly it has to do with the fact that Tim Stutzla just put together one hell of a season. I mean, uh, I frankly, like, I don't hold him in that esteem, but you ask any of the people who believe in Tim Stutzla, he really just forced his way onto the map in, in the world juniors. And, and once he had everybody's attention, the more they watched this kid, the more they, they fell in love with his game. And, and what's really kind of fascinating about that for us at, <clears throat> at elite prospects was that we were on, like we we were Tim Stutzla believers from the beginning, 
And, and we had him in the top 10, even before the world juniors. And we like, we had a lot of time for this, this, this kid's game. And it was fascinating to see everybody react the way that they did to his world juniors performance, because frankly, we don't even think he was the best German draft eligible prospect at the tournament. That title probably belongs to John Jason Paterka. Uh, so for that tournament to be his kind of coming out party as, as a draft eligible prospect, uh, it really does kind of leave us scratching our heads a bit. Uh, and and, and he, it wasn't even his best hockey of the year either. So, uh, you know, I think it just goes to speak to, uh, you know, the, the extent to which visibility plays a role mm-hmm. in this, right? Like he got a, a shot on on the spotlight and everybody saw him and they liked what they saw. And, and that was good enough. And and from that moment forward, they they were captivated, and 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 they were sold. So I I really think that it's as simple as that. Once you get past the other reasons that we we talked about, and I I think that frankly, it could end up being something that we look back on a few years from now and go, ooh, I think people overreacted a bit. But uh, conversely, like we could look back in a few years and and you know, we could look like the big dumbasses at elite prospects for rating him. So, <laughs> so lowly. We'll see who knows. Kind of reminds me a bit of Miro Heskinen actually, um, because that was a guy who at Canucks army, I believe you were still there. And when, when we did the right. Oh yeah. That yeah. Draft. That was, and we had him like a little bit lower than the rest of the industry. And I think like a big part of the reason why that was, was because everybody at Canucks army thought, Miro Heskinen deserved to go in the top like 10 at least um, when other agencies were ranking him like outside the first round. And then he had a really good world junior tournament. And then all of a sudden you start seeing him in the number two or number three spot. And I think that sometimes that can almost create like this bias in your head where you're like, well, everybody slept on this guy all year. And then now suddenly he's the, the number two prospect in the draft. Like, it, it it almost you you can be guilty sometimes almost of like overcorrecting because of that um and it, it is funny how you like you value a prospect early on in the draft and then everyone else will will come around on him and then you'll be like okay yeah but like that's a bit much you know and in Heskinen's case we were you know we were wrong obviously but um, horrifically wrong one of the worst evaluations of my career and across that I uh will will forever bear every time i see him out there doing ridiculous stuff at the nhl level i just i i i bow my head in shame uh but you know what that happens right like the nhl they're they're no different than the rest of us i mean i've talked to a few teams who uh frankly take no issue with where we have tim stutzla on our board and then others who are like well he's he's a clear number two or in some cases a number one and and I think that that just speaks to the the variance once you get you move up the ranks, you know, like I, I there was one team last year who didn't have Dylan Cousins on their draft board and and he was our number three uh, affiliated prospect in our rankings this week. Like go figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's just that's the sort of variance that I've come to expect from the NHL ranks and <clears throat> I think ultimately, like you you have to stick by your guns. Like my worst mistakes in this this industry, uh, you know, uh, other than Miro Heiskanen, where I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't acquiesce, uh, were, were were made because I I backed off from an opinion I held. Yeah, and totally. and I look at Philip uh, Broberg for example, right? And I was like, I don't think he has the hockey hockey smarts, uh, the the hockey sense to to play NHL hockey. Like this is super concerning. And then 
you know, I kind of went, well, I don't want to be too overboard. And I put him in my first round. And I'm like, if I was with an NHL team, there's no way I would have vouched for this kid. No way I would have vouched for him. And here we are a year later. And it's like, if he was a do not draft on my board last year, I'd be feeling pretty damn good about that. Because (laughs) like, that's a top 10 pick who was in the 50s in our affiliated prospect rankings. And our Swedish scout was like, yeah, his hockey sense is a three out of 10. Like, how many players with a hockey sense that is a three out of 10 are, are playing top four minutes in the NHL? I mean, the list can't be especially long. Mm-hmm. So you, it's one of those things where every now and then you're going to suffer that, that stubbornness. And that, that's something that you know nothing about, right, Jackson? <laughs> I, I've, I've never met somebody who's quite as unstubborn as you. No, I'm the, uh, I'm the least stubborn person in Canucks media. That's what everyone always says. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So like, it's, it's really kind of a delicate balance, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We definitely saw people react very negatively to where we had him. We saw people react as if we were doing like clickbait types things. And it's like, look, we got everybody on the staff to watch him. We collected everyone's opinions. We talked to people around the league and, and ultimately it's like, we're, we're not just going to, to kind of cater to the herd here. We were going to stick with our, our analysis and it's not like we don't appreciate the ceiling of Tim Stutzla. I mean, everyone in, in those meetings would be like, yeah, you could be a first line 60 point player in the NHL. Like, wouldn't that be spectacular? But we do see a lot of red flags, perhaps more red flags than there are with any other prospect in the top 10. And that was just too much for us to overlook. Uh, I do really respect how much you just bowled through Vyas's attempt to interrupt you there. But I am curious what Vyas had to say. So Vyas, what were you going to say there? I literally didn't hear him. (laughs) I think my internet... Like uh, when you said this is gonna, this is like my biggest regret in my career. I was just saying, like, here we go, folks. <laughs> oh, okay, and, yeah. I was also yeah. gonna make a, yeah. I was also gonna make a crack of like what enraging the province of Quebec, but um, I, I also know that JD actually doesn't regret that at all. But um, anyways, parody yeah. satire. Um, I had I had just a quick little corner, my my Vias's draft corner. <laughs> uh, if I can get a minute here, guys. Okay. Uh, feel free, feel free to add on. Vias has literally been like when I told we were gonna have uh, JD, when I told him we were gonna have JD on to talk about the draft, he literally thought we were gonna be talking about beer this entire time. He's very Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's off season content. <laughs> okay. These are my five favorite names. Oh, good. Uh, this is what we're going to talk about. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would I would encourage you guys to open up your own um, list of uh, the like a mock draft or something. Um, there's not any like huge ones here, but just little. There's nothing on the five. level of a Nando Eggenberger. No, I wish. But okay, I'll start from the top. Uh, this guy's name is Jack Works. But that's just <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, am I supposed to have an opinion on him? Uh, <laughs> do you have one? Does no, he work? no. I like. I have no idea who this player is, and I, okay. I did spend some time watching the AJHL this year. Whether it was Savoy, whether it was Benning, whether it was Edwards. Did you watch Akatox? Yes, I watched Akatox, and uh, I did not know this player. Sounds is like not, you didn't. It's, okay, if if he wasn't good enough to play at the World Junior A Challenge, then he's not getting drafted out of Junior A. Well, you know, there can be diamonds in the rough, JD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what else you got? What what else you got for us, Vias? I want to know the best draft eligible. You're uncharacteristically quiet through the actual draft talk, so I'm I'm, I'm dying to Sorry. know who else is, okay. is on this list. Well, wait, let me reorder this because I think the last one. Okay, maybe we shouldn't even no, no, say it. No, on no, the no, no. Okay, please. Well, do. the second one, 
is Patrick Gay from Sherbrooke. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. Fair. Oh, yeah. it's Patrick Gwai. G-U-A-Y. Yeah. No, that's a very cool name. Uh, the third one, Leo Loof mm-hmm. from Faryastad. He's on our board. L-O-O-F with like the umlauts on both. That's mm-hmm. yeah, just a fun but like I want I want that jersey. Um, this one is Yevgeny Oxentoik Tiuk wow. from Flint. It's a I just haven't seen a Russian name like that before. Yevgeny Oxentiuk. Oxentiuk. Wow. He's he's Belarusian. White Russian. Belarusian. White Russian. <laughs> uh, I got no more jokes there. Uh, no more jokes I want to say there. Um, <laughs> nothing about the big Lebowski there? <laughs> nothing about the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's where the big Lebowski drink comes from. And the last one is at... Uh, on this mock draft, I think it was... Uh, I'm not going to say the name of another mock draft company because I forgot to sure. look up yours and I figured yours is behind a paywall, um, as it should be. Uh, but uh, from Des Moines in the, the USHL, at, like possibly drafted at uh, 212, is Alex Laferriere. Ah, mm. Yes, great. Yes. Oh. How does that guy feel? Okay, so <laughs> um, Leo Luf is a very big physical defenseman out of Sweden, and he's actually on our draft board. Uh, cool. So, so we are very familiar with him. Uh, Yevgeny Oksentiuk is a re-entry, and he's he's a hell of a player. Like, uh, I, I know a few teams who were like, "Ah, oh, should we take him with the seventh round pick last year?" And they ultimately kind of went against it, and now they're all regretting that because he's probably going to go in the third round this year as a re-entry. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, hell of a player. How often does that happen? Pretty often. Pretty often. I mean, our our board's got a bunch of of re-entries. I mean. Wasn't wasn't Tanner Pearson a re-entry? He was. Yeah, okay, he was cool. the rare re-entry that goes in the first, first round, round. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it it happens from time to time. And and like a lot of people, uh, you know, we we have this conception of re-entries as like um, players that you don't want to touch in the draft. But like after the second round, they actually have a higher success rate than than first-time draft-eligible skaters, believe it or not. And I, I'm sure that just has to do with the fact that teams have like a much longer rap sheet on these players at this point. Yeah, there's a larger sample to go off of. Yeah, and, and some of the best names in this year's draft, actually, now that you mention it, are, are pretty much re-entries, like Gunnar Wolf Fontaine with the oh. Chicago Steel. Wow, that's uh, great. And he's got a great mane, too. Like, don't underestimate his, his uh, hockey hair. It's, it's great. Uh, what are some of the other names you brought up, Vias? I've already forgotten. I mean, uh, I'm I'm surprised you didn't bring up Primo Self. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that is amazing. I where, Chilliwack Chiefs Primo Self. Where is he ranked? Like, is he a ranked? Yeah, prospect? yeah. I think he's on uh, Central Scouting's list. Um, he <laughs> he didn't make ours, but it's it's funny too because the way his name is spelled is P R I M O, like not even yes. French Primo. Yes. Uh, it's it's it rules. That I'm rocks. A fan. Yeah, primo self is like that. Sounds like so like the <laughs> that sounds like a like a self help book by like a a, a Calif- yeah. like SoCal surfer dude or something. <laughs> How to be your primo <laughs> self. Um, I, I, oh, Vias man. also mentioned um, also mentioned Alex Laferriere, which um, I do always find that funny when there's a guy who has like the like basically so i'm i play guitar right and um, one of the things that we used to laugh about when i was in high school guitar class was like people would bring in their like guitar that they bought on vacation in india for like no money and it would be like 
a Gibson, but it would say Gibson on top. <laughs> or they would bring in like a Fender Stratocaster and the little Fender logo would say Fandar. <laughs> and that is exactly what Alex LeFerriere reminds me of. Fandar is my father's name. Really? No. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that was a good one. I'll, oh, I'll give you that one, BS. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Peter, Primo Self, I see it now. Couch, couch and Valley Capital. Ah, okay. I thought he was yeah. the Chilliwack Chiefs. Whoops, yeah. my bad. Uh, Alex Ferrier is actually a pretty good prospect. Like, I, I, I think he could go in the second round. He's probably wow. more likely to go in the third or fourth. Uh, he plays more of a power game, I suppose, than... Um, your, your standard forward a um, little bit of a late bloomer he's going to harvard so you know that he's got a really great um, knowledge base to build on when he wins the stanley cup uh, not going to make any poor decisions after he wins um, oh I, I found the i found a guy uh this should be the rocks of fever pick for number one uh from ska in morozova in the mhl kirill tankov <laughs> I'm a fan already. That's good, yeah. <laughs> I am not too familiar with his game. I, I got to be honest with you. Like, the MHL is torture. Uh, watching oh, the MHL yeah. is just, it's it's. What so, is the MHL? It's, it's basically Russian their Chief. CHL. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, like, the disparity in talent is so huge. Like, enormous. I think there's, like, one good team in the Eastern Division. And so they just put up, like insane numbers against the rest of the league and and like basically doing any sort of draft analysis out of russia if you're going by like statistical models is very difficult because it's just like the strangest set of leagues imaginable like nothing makes sense it's truly bizarre i got another one uh zade z-a-y-d-e wisdom oh wow he rules i love watching him play hockey i don't know if he's going to be like an nhler but he's He's such like a hard worker, such a, uh, I don't know, he, by all accounts, he's a great kid. I think he won a, an award for like his off the ice contributions or whatever. So um, nice. yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, if the Canucks took him in the third round, that would be totally cool. Zaid Wisdom sounds like the spiritual advisor on Marianne Williamson's campaign. That's just amazing. <laughs> I feel like he names... sounds like he's the spiritual advisor to Primo Self. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, there's there's the Elliot, the, the fucking, uh, what's it called? What was that player on Colorado? The Alex Tange. The Alex um... Tange of Roxy Beaver. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just like, I forgot Elliot was even here, and then he's just like, Boom. best joke Please. of the episode yeah exactly yeah. that's how that's how it usually goes with Elliot. um okay so we're we're at like over an hour here so we don't have to keep you too much longer but the last thing that i did want to touch on a little bit because i think it's really important is the health of the canucks prospect pool which um i imagine you think is probably not great um but uh you know you are the the prospects man and i think that uh, carries additional weight right now in the Vancouver market when uh, most people are not paying attention to prospects because the team is uh, good question mark now um, they're competitive <laughs> they're certainly competitive they were competitive this year um, I don't know I think they're more mediocre if you ask me <laughs> there we go thank you um, so my my like final question to you I guess is obviously the Canucks looking at it right now have some spots to fill on the defense um if not immediately then in the very near future how do you sort of rank out their uh defensemen who could potentially uh compete for a job there um 
So I, I think most people would say potential guys we could see on the blue line this year or next are uh, Brogan Rafferty, Jack Rathbone, Oldie Ulevi, and am I, uh, Jet Wu. I mean, I, Jet Wu is a few, probably still a little bit, uh, a couple years away from from being on the blue line. But in terms of, of talent and of like uh, ability to play regular minutes in the NHL, which of these guys do you think has the best shot? Yeah, I, I think in terms of just playing hockey games, I, I think the answer is is pretty straightforward. You're probably gonna gonna see Brogan Rafferty get his chance sooner than later. And and I, I think the question there is like how much he has to give. I mean, he's twenty five years old, right? Like he might even be twenty six by the time next year starts. So I mean, in terms of upside, you're not getting a ton of that from him, but but you could get somebody who fills out capably uh, in, in a third third pairing role. Now, I think where it really gets exciting is is Jack Rathbone. And I was really surprised. Like when we did our our, our affiliated prospect rankings, uh, Mitch was just like glowing about Rathbone. And, and we somehow ended up with Rathbone ahead of Niels Hoaglander as the second best prospect in the Canucks system. Wow. So, you know, he thinks that he could be like a top four defenseman, if not next year, than the one after. And, and I, I think that that's actually not an unfair assessment. Like, I, I, I really like Jack Rathbone's game. I think he's built to play uh, hockey the way that the NHL is going. I mean, Ole Ulevi, I was just talking about this on, on another show. Like, he's either going to play or he isn't. And, like, I know <laughs> that's a really weird way to put things, but it's it's really that simple. I mean, if he can't figure out how to uh, kind of overcome those, those hip and knee injuries that prevented him from uh, turning at a quicker pace and, and made him susceptible to getting beat around the edge all the time, then he's just not going to play. Like if he can't iron that out, if he can't improve his skating to a level where he's not getting turn styled all the time, it's just not going to happen. Uh, but if he can, then he has a chance to be a top four defenseman and there's very little room in the middle. Uh, so it, he's a really interesting, like boomer bust sort of prospect at this point in his career. Uh, but he's kind of at that age too, where like the Canucks need to find out what they have in him sooner than later. So I would be very surprised if he doesn't get a chance to sink or swim next season. And I'm going to be really interested to see how he holds up. I mean, like Tyler Myers is just terrible at defending the rush. Like whatever you think about Tyler Myers, whether you're Thomas Drance and think that he should have been fourth or fifth on your Norris ballot or, <laughs> or literally anyone else, uh, you know, that's one part of his game that is just not up to par. Right. So <clears throat> uh, he still found a way to carve out a pretty productive NHL career and, and be like a fruitful four or five kind of uh, defenseman. And, and it'll be interesting to see if Ole Ulevi can kind of uh, follow a similar path with his development. What do you have to say to that Vias? Uh, I I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Aww, I was hoping you would. I was hoping you would be play the role of the uh, Ulevi defense squad. Okay. Well, uh, that's fine. Sorry, <laughs> cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, uh, I also just wanted to say too, Rathbone sounds like the name of a terrible metal band. So I would really yes. like to see him uh, make make the NHL. But you know, uh, I feel I actually do feel bad. Like I'm on a Canucks podcast. I constantly follow Canucks Twitter. I have no idea who Jack Rathbone <laughs> and the other defensemen are. I just see other people say they're good. Like, yeah, what a, like, what am I missing? And and how do I keep missing this stuff all the time? 
Are you like trying to set us You're up? You're not allowed to day? answer. You're not allowed. <laughs> like, is this a rhetorical question, Vias? My answer is my answer is going to be ADHD. Um, yeah, I think I I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was like, because you've mentioned it's cool that I talk about it in the show, right? Just by the way, like, wait, that, oh that you, my, that, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like, you're pretty sure you have ADHD too, which, like, to anyone who's listened to the ADHD. show uh they're probably not that surprised um but uh i, I was thinking anyone about listening to the show who is not surprised why don't you fucking tell me months ago <laughs> <laughs> i i tried so to I tell you in your in in my in uh in fairness hey, Vias, I did, uh, uh, check your texts oh no check my um, texts I'm assuming that's a joke that we can't repeat. Um, but what I was going to say <laughs> is... Um, yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is uh, the thing with your ADHD is that, like, I just... I, I Like, sometimes, you know, like, I... I'm always the one who like flips out at you for doing ADHD stuff, which feels like really mean because I am like the only other person that's ever on the show that also has it. But I feel like I might just be like slightly better at having it than you are. <laughs> I think you two are just a very bad combination of ADHDs. I think, I think there's like, I'm assuming that there's enough variability in like whatever the shit is that yeah. like what I get wrong is stuff that you don't get wrong. Yeah, and totally. And vice versa, versa. Probably. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. But I also have never felt uh, like attacked or anything. That's I, good. I we can get, fix that. <laughs> I get. <laughs> uh, I can read the text. Dude. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's call it there. Or um, like. <clears throat> What's up? What? What? <laughs> what happened there? Well, you, you just said more like, and then. Did not say. I was it. just doing the like, yeah, because okay. I'm not because I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Felson McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at Vyasaran. Although I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus. You can follow me on Twitter at Moose Kayak, and I totally thought we were letting JD go first here. So, <laughs> well, I was gonna say you can follow me on Twitter at Pivot Legal Society. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, where can the good people find you, JD? I just told you, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at J. Dylan Burke, and a lot of my written content is on at EP Rinkside, and a lot of my podcast and video content is at Elite Prospects and Pivot Legal Society. <laughs> um, all right, I will say uh, also to our Patreon subscribers, I apologize. We did go a month without, uh, I mean, September is a short month in my defense, but we did go a month without putting up a heritage minute, but I promise you we will have two, uh, episodes of bonus content this month, if not more. So stay tuned for that. We've got some good stuff planned. And in the meantime, you can send your hate mail to at pivot legal. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody.